Hey friends, Dave Hagen here. Today the roundtable is going to take on 12 things that mentally strong people do. Can you guess any of those? That's today on the Financial Wellness Podcast. Welcome to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to the financial success. Here is your host, financial problem solver and talk show host, Dave Hagan. Hey, thanks, Nick. We're in beautiful downtown Van Nuys at Uncle Studios, and we've got Nick Appel here today before he's going to be heading off to law school. Welcome, Nick. Thank you, Dave. And of course, as always, Brian Reed, my good friend and compatriot. Brian, thank you for being here. Good to be here, senor. (laughs) (laughs) Today we want to talk about this this article that I bumped into out of Entrepreneur Magazine written by a fellow named John Rampton. I forget where it came. It popped up on the internet or something because I don't normally subscribe to Entrepreneur Magazine, although it's a great publication. Um, Twelve things that mentally strong people do, and I thought it would be interesting to run that through the round table here and, and talk about that. Um, we might agree with some of these things. Maybe we might disagree with some of these things, but I thought that it would be uh, interesting to talk about and interesting to our listeners as it relates to financial wellness. So you've heard it said many times, million times that you need to exercise your body to stay physically fit, but is there something that you should do or some things that you should do to be mentally fit. Um, Mr. Rampton in his article talks about 12 things that mentally strong people do. So uh, let's check it out. He says, number one, mentally strong people practice gratitude. Now, I've heard this talked about this whole gratitude concept for three, four, five years now. Everyone's talking about gratitude. And I thought it was just maybe one of those uh, like series of platitudes that uh, uh, was in vogue. And they talk about it at graduation ceremonies and stuff like that. But I, mean, I think it's more of a thing. I remember back in the day, my, uh, one of my early law partners talked about setting up a gratitude file. And he kept it in his drawer. And when someone would write him a nice note, he would put that note in there. And when he's having a tough day or not feeling appreciated by clients, he would go to his gratitude file. I got to tell you, I got one. And I, and I put those notes in there. And every once in a while, you know, you, you got to go back to that. So uh, financially strong people uh, buck themselves up or, or provide foundation for themselves by practicing gratitude. What do you guys think? Well, personally, I am a proponent for this. And it is also a practice that I currently use. Uh, during my orientation of law school, uh, they said, uh, the leaders of the or- orientation said that uh, every night before you go to sleep, write down three things that you were gracious for today. And since I've been doing it, it is kind of therapeutic. And since it is therapeutic, I would say that it would help in different aspects of your life, including financial. Absolutely. Absolutely. Brian, what do you think? You know, if it keeps you motivated, if it keeps you positive, if it reminds you that, you know, especially in this day and age, there's so much negativity out there. So giving your your spirit a boost to 
actually physically write down, um, you know, three things that you're grateful for or to have an attitude of gratitude. That's another phrase. You know, so 100% for it. Let's stay motivated and positive, people. Enough with the negativity. Although I got to tell you, at the end of some days, I might only have one or two things to be grateful for. <laughs> some days it's tough to come up with three. <laughs> Wait a second. Are we actually, a, you know, if I write down three, do I, do I then get to write down like 12 of the things that made me angry that day? Well, oh, God. Let's keep it positive here, people. Let's keep <laughs> no, it positive. No, I'm, I'm going, maybe that we can use that to purge the negative out. So think positive and purge the negative. <laughs> you know, I think it's a lot more uh, productive, though, to go home and think about what you're, what you're grateful for as opposed to just, uh, you know, turning on the TV and run up and down the channels or, um, you know, listen to some uh, chewing gum uh, kind of radio show in terms of, um, you know, just to keep your mind going. So yeah, I, I think it's, it's positive. It's, it's deliberate. Um, I like it. Number two, Mr. Rampton says mentally strong people learn to say no. And he quotes some research for the university of California in San Francisco that showed that the more difficulty somebody has saying no, the more likely they are to experience stress, burnout, and even depression. I don't know. I have a hard time saying no. Someone says, hey, you want to do this? I hate to say no. How about you guys? I'm not going to answer that question because I'm saying no. <laughs> <laughs> you dog, you dog, you turned it on me. <laughs> you you totally looked at me and wow. I, I, you, you teed it up on that one. <laughs> and now I'm sitting here thinking... Damn, that Brian Reed, man, he's strong. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, no, I think every, you know, not everybody, but most of us struggle saying, you know, no, there's, we want to be helpful, I think, innately. We're human beings. Somebody else is struggling, then I think there's a desire in all of us on some level to help. Um, the question is, how do you balance everything out? out and then at the same time you got to watch out for the the people who will just you know they're succubuses they're just gonna they're gonna suck you dry um coming back to the well again and again and again so no you've got to say no yeah and piggybacking off of uh brian the, the older i get uh the more i'm finding it easier to say no and i'm feel i'm you know i'm feeling that because i'm saying no it's you know it's not causing me to succumb to peer pressure and to go do things that i might not do on you know, another day. Yeah. Yeah. I, I my daughter is, has, has approached me just about this topic. She says, I've, I've got all these things. People are asking me to do all these things. And I said, well, that's great. That means that you're very competent in a wide range of things. And when you're competent, people will ask you to do stuff and volunteer and be on a board and this and that. And all of that is well and good. And I've probably done more than my fair share over the years, but, but you got to protect yourself too. 100%. And you got to be able to say, no, that's just not within what I want or need to do right now, even though I'd love to contribute or participate or, or, you know, or what have you. Okay. Number three, mentally strong people overcome their inner critic. Now, I thought I was the only one that had like this critic sitting in my head going, oh man, you, you could have said that better. Or there was a different point you could have brought up on the podcast or whatever. Uh, am I the only one with a uh, with an inner critic, guys? I'm I'm pleading the fifth on this one. <laughs> um, you know, I'm gonna disagree a little bit because I like my inner critic. So maybe I guess we got to think about the exact phrase because I think it was overcome. 
Yes. Your inner critic? Is that what the phrase is? Yeah, yeah. It's that they face their inner critic. I think that... Or they overcome. Okay, they overcome their inner critic. All right. Well, then I guess it's kind of arguing semantics, but no, I don't want to overcome my inner critic. I want to be able to listen to my inner critic and take my inner critic's critique, um, but I don't want to put it on the back burner. Yeah. That's going to, it's one of the things that I think drives us. So maybe we're kind of saying the same thing, but I see the inner critique as a source of motivation or an asset. Yeah. 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 I think so. And I think it's a rare person that doesn't have an inner critic. I think maybe that's part of our nature or maybe it's like the default directory for our brains or something. Um, everybody's got a, a, a inner critic and in, in fact, it's a rare person that does not. Um, so it's good to deal with that and, and try and not overcome it, but, uh, deal with it in a, in a healthy way. Number four, mentally strong people expose themselves to pain. Now, when I heard this, I'm going, oh, what? No, we're, I'm not into that. We're not into that. But the, but the article quotes Muhammad Ali once saying that he didn't count. He doesn't count all of his setups. He only starts counting the setups when they hurt because those are the ones that count. So what do you think? Do you think mental, mentally strong people expose themselves to pain? I mean, I, I would say yes. I, and I, I feel that within this category that people who make themselves vulnerable allow themselves allow themselves to feel pain and they're not limiting themselves and because of that I think that if you are able to become vulnerable and accept the final destination of whatever it might be it might create a stronger person yeah I can't make any comments on this I'm still laughing at the the jokes because there's too many <laughs> you know what comes to mind for me as a, as a no pres- i don't want to know oh no. oh wait you're back in the don't wanna, okay i'm, I'm back see. to serious now. okay i'm back to big being serious and straight here it, uh, it reminds me of a, a presidential speech i heard one time where a president said we don't do things because they're easy we do things because they're hard <laughs> and uh, you know who i was that that was good old jfk that, that sounded good to me that sounded yeah, good to me you uh you you, you pack the card have yeah, nicely. <laughs> but I think that uh, you know, at least in, in our leaders, I wish we had more of that. And and I think that when we we look at it that way, uh, it, it certainly makes sense. Number five, he says, mentally strong people create their own definition of success. Yeah, seems to me you want to run your own motor. I mean, I keep coming back to this, but it so resonated with me a couple of weeks ago what Seth Godin did. Or it said, you know, make sure you run your own motor and do what you want to do rather than do what someone else wants you to do. What about your own definition of success? What do you guys think? If it's progress, that's, I think that's the, the root of success. People, I won't speak for people, but I'm saying when I feel I am making progress, even if that progress is small, but it accumulates like interest then I'm, you know, I see, I see the benefit of that. I'm okay with that. You know, it's progress. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I definitely agree with this and what Brian said that it is progress. And also going back to what I've previously discussed, you know, you got to be impatient with yourself and you got to define how you will find yourself being successful in the future. And it starts, it starts today. Yeah. And I think it's got to be your own definition of success. I, I run Def- into so many people that, you know, are pursuing their P 
parents' definition of success or their spouse's definition of success. Um, it could take on a lot of different definitions. For some, it's being successful in business. For some people, it's it's being a, what being a rock star, or being a struggling band member, or something like that. Um, I think everyone should have their own their own definition and and pursue it. Number six, they delay gratification. Interesting. Short-term pain for long-term gain. I remember in in undergrad, uh, um, one of my one of my buddies at school, he was going to come home with us for for Thanksgiving because he lived a long way away. He was going to stay and and hole up at the dormitory. Maybe the school wasn't even going to know he was there, and he was going to study for the LSAT. And I said, "Why would you do that when you can come home and have turkey with my family?" You know, and he said, "You know, short-term pain for long-term gain." And you know, I think it, it worked out pretty well for him. So I've always kind of used that as kind of a, a goal or a model. Or uh, the author talks about a, a Stanford University study, and they left uh, an administrator left a child alone with the marshmallow for 15 minutes. And before leaving, <laughs> have you seen this before? I, I've seen this one. They told the, the, the child that you could eat the marshmallow, but if they waited until the administrator came back, uh, they'd get a second marshmallow. And they apparently did this for like 40 years, and they found that the children that waited experienced better outcomes in life, including SAT scores and career success and um, you know, lower body mass index and stuff like that. What do you guys think? I'll, I'll give this one to Brian. I ate the marshmallow. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I left it to Brian. <laughs> you know what? Me, me, me too. Maybe that's how we get along. We're both like, okay, I'll eat it now. I, it's, uh, it's an important lesson. Um, and it's just about motivation. If you, you know, you realize, yes, I, you know, I was the person who, you know, as a kid, heck yes, I would have eaten the marshmallow, but I figured it out. You know, not too much later that, you know, you got to work. And there are benefits that come when you put the work in early. So, yep, yep, I agree. I agree. Number seven, mentally strong people don't blame others. I don't know. I think that's kind of, that's obvious and hardly um, uh, needs much discussion. That, that's pretty obvious. You run into people in your life who blame everybody but themselves and pretty, pretty obvious pretty quickly that they're not. They're not going anywhere. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Number eight, they practice realistic optimism. What do you guys think about that? I'm hopeful to have an opinion shortly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can we get a definition, please? Yeah. <laughs> Could no. you spell that word for me, please? That's, that, that's hope again. Hope is what drives us, so... Even if you are hopeful, you can still be prepared for, you know, the bad stuff that can happen. Um... So you, I think you have to have it. Yeah, I think um, years ago in the in the whole field of um, you know motivational speaking, uh, they were talking about optimism, and they're going, oh, you can have this and that, and you can uh, you know weigh 190 pounds and run a four minute mile, and you can shoot consistently a 72 at golf, and you can have a million dollars by the time you're 30. All you got to do is believe, and everyone would stand up and clap, and oh yeah, oh my God. So for me, the the operative word is realistic optimism. Right. Mm -hmm. You don't want to set yourself up for some kind of um, huge defeat, but wow, you've run into people that are that are optimistic as opposed to pessimistic, and I'd rather hang out with optimistic people all the time. A hundred percent of the time, and I and I completely agree with this foundation that you know just understanding that 
you, you have a, you do have a bright outlook on life, but at the same time, you need to be real realistic of what's going to ensue in the future. Yeah, you got to be careful what you think about. Um, I know my daughter was telling me that uh, you know she wanted to pursue a, a particular path, and and it didn't look like it was going to be possible or even likely. And she said, well, I just kind of put it out there in the, in my mind that this is where I was striving to go. And she says, the darndest things happened and it, it just seemed to come to me. So, um, I think that optimistic people do better. I think realistic op- optimism, optimistic people do even better than that because they're realistic about it. But boy, I think that that's, that's certainly important. Number nine, mentally strong people acknowledge their limitations. I think that kind of stems from number eight. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah, I think so. I know that um, um, I'm never going to dunk a basketball. Now, I've had dreams about it. You know? <laughs> Every guy my height has had dreams about it. I know? disagree with you. <laughs> Look, all we need is a ladder, yeah. a trampoline, <laughs> and an ambulance. Yeah, yeah. I'd li- I like to tell the guys that I play with, hey, I got a, I got a 30-inch horizontal. <laughs> oh, oh, goodness, Dave. <laughs> this, is, this is a true story. This is a true story. I, years ago, years ago, um, I, a friend of mine was a, you know, he's a personal trainer and he said, well, what are your, you know, what are your goals? What do you, what do you want to do? Cause I, he was going to be working me out. And I said, well, you know, my, my biggest goal, what I dream about is to be able to dunk the basketball. And he kind of looks at me, he goes, well, why don't, why don't we pick some like attainable goals? <laughs> I thought he was going to tell me, yeah, we're going to do weights. You're going to have thighs that look like almonds and you're going to be able to take the, take the rock to the hole. And he says, why don't we, why don't we pick something else? Why don't we practice realistic optimism here? I like that. <laughs> I like that. Mentally strong people don't compare themselves to others. Well, kids do this a lot, right? They go, oh, well, she got this, or I got that, or how come they got this or that? Yeah, but is it? I think it's, even adults do that, the whole keeping up with the Joneses right. Uh, concept. Right, no, absolutely. It's it's a, just natural. What we do yeah. sometimes. We see somebody with a bigger car, and we're like, whoa, 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 how come I don't have that? Yeah, th- I think this happens especially in the financial arena. You know, people could go, well, I've got a life partner that, you know, looks better than his or vice versa. But I think that primarily this happens in the financial arena. And you see the big corporations using this in their advertising to try and draw us into this. Well, they've got a they've got a black card. I should have a black card. Mine's mine's kind of gray, kind of green, kind of gray and brown. But they really prey upon this. Well, why don't you get what you deserve? And they compare you to, and that's kind of a false uh, comparison in, in my 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 feeling. What do you guys think? Yeah, well, I mean, I I feel like that marketers like, I'm not going to name any names, but like uh, big. I heard you almost say master. Don't don't go there. I, I go will there. not. All I right, will right, not. Right. But, hey, Dave, uh, is, Dave, is that a card on the table? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Wait, you were talking about master. and Yeah, well, that is a card yeah. on your table. Okay. So, 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 so I'll, I'll just say that if you want to know what I'm talking about, I'll refer, back, refer you back to a couple episodes ago. But nevertheless, is that these big companies try to compare the consumer to the different cards out there to make it more competitive. And if you're able to overcome that, then you will eventually uh, be more mentally strong. Yeah. Here's one that, that I don't know if I agree with. Mentally strong people enjoy fe- feeling scared. 
They don't run away from their fears. They face them. I mean, obviously, but enjoy feeling scared. I don't know. Challenged, maybe. Um, invigorated, motivated, um, but but enjoy being scared. I don't know. What do you guys think? I personally don't agree with this one. Uh, I I don't enjoy feeling scared, nor do I believe do I that I do know anyone who enjoys feeling scared. You don't think that that is motivating? You know what? It could be. I'm just, it doesn't resonate with me. Right. And maybe if someone can give me a, another rationale of how to think about this, it might change my mind. Yeah. But certainly not feeling scared in an extreme sense. Causes you to hyperventilate and, 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 <laughs> and pee your pants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but um, as long as it's not like life-threatening, um, that kind of fear. Right. As in I'm being robbed. Right. Because I was at one point in time, I was robbed at gunpoint, and yeah, were you no, really? Yeah, I don't, I don't want that type of fear again. Wow. But at the same time, look, if if you're pushing it, you know, it, when you're afraid of something, you're probably doing something new, and you're pushing it, and I'm okay with that. Wow. Push yourself through it. You're robbed at gunpoint. You want to talk about that instead no, of, instead I, I of don't, my deep insights about, about pushing myself? <laughs> no, no, no. That fr- that freaks me out. I was I was a hostage in an airplane hijacking one time. Were you really? Yeah, we could spend like a whole time talking wow. about dealing with the fear of those kind of life threatening. <laughs> but but going. I didn't. Go, I didn't ahead, even. Tim, I didn't, I didn't even get to Cuba. I didn't even get to see Cuba oh on this goodness. damn hijacking. I was a little upset about it, but I also didn't like going through airports for a while too. Yeah. But 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 piggybacking off of what Brian said about not necessarily feeling the fear of, um, you know, being robbed or having a gun point pointed up to you, but actually you know, pushing yourself and kind of, I I resonate with this because of going to law school and taking out these loans. I did feel scared, but I I kept on, I I kept on pursuing it and I pushed through. And so if we define it as that, then yes, I I would say that mentally strong people enjoy feeling scared. Yeah. Yeah. Number 12, he says that mentally strong people respect and even like their competitors and mentally strong people, I think like to compete. Um, something that I've been thinking about lately is, um, you know, Elon Musk, uh, he, the the rebate, the federal rebate for his cars is going to expire sunset pretty soon because the, the company's now produced um, 200,000 cars. And he's never been worried about that, even though there's lots of people that carp about it. Um, he's never w- worried about that because he doesn't necessarily want to compete on price. He wants to compete straight up with Mercedes and BMW and GM and Ford. And I always thought that that was, that was pretty bold. He says, just let's put all the cars on the table. It doesn't matter what they cost. They're going to cost different things. We want to put out the best product period. And we think that's going to be an electric car, but we want to put out the best product period. And I, I really respect him for that. Yeah. I mean, to me, you know, it's something to admire in, in Elon, in my opinion. Yeah. I think later on in their in their life, Steve Jobs and and Bill Gates, you know, really respected each other because they both had so much success. Now, this is when they were mature. When they were younger, they hated each other and they were trying to rip each other's guts out and and you know, shortcut the other one around the corner and and what have you. But if you if you type into the internet Steve Jobs and Bill Gates, you'll find some real touching 
um, um, videos about the two of them sitting in a chair. And I remember it was, there were some red chairs and um, it was, uh, had something to do with a, um, a coders convention. And they were talking about what they respected um, in each other. And, and Bill Gates was saying, I, you know, I respect Steve's sense of, um, uh, you know, taste. Um, and uh, so they were going back and forth and they really could like and respect each other, especially as they became more mature. Well, there's always, you know, especially in sports, the sports rivalries, whether it's an individual sport or a team sport, you always push push, push each other yeah. further. You need someone. Yeah. You need a uh, a foe that you lose to mm-hmm. occasionally. Mm-hmm. And Ali needed a uh, a foreman. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. Ali needed, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I, I, Joe I'm, Frazier. Yeah, I mean, I, I play racquetball, and I, I don't want to. I don't want to compete against someone who is not necessarily as good as me. I, I like to play against people who are better than me because right. that makes me a better person in the long run or a better player. Better competitor. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah now Dave, if you and I ever played golf, you would feel much better <laughs> when you beat me after not needing 18 to 20 strokes. Ooh, ouch. Because that's, that's how much I would have to spot you. No, I'm ouch. telling you, uh, with, with golf, I make uh, Gerald Ford look good, and he's, he's been gone for quite some time. So these are the 12 uh, you know, that, that Mr. Rampton thought uh, were things that he saw in mentally strong people. Is there, is there anything that, that we would add to his list? It seems to me one of the first things that came to my to my uh, to my thought process was mentally strong people meditate. They yeah. take twenty minutes a day to sit down and try and clear their mind and and um, uh, put their mind in in idle. And I think that uh, for me, when I do it, um, it makes it much easier to deal with stuff when things get crazy. Yeah, I'm I'm on board with that. I've always wanted to try it, but I've never truly given it a real shot. Wow. Okay. Um, You know, uh, just as an aside, there's a couple of places out there, MindSpring and Headspace and their apps. And now that's available on the phone. It makes it a lot easier to do it. And, you know, I don't do it um, every day, but... Um, I find that the days that I do, I tend to be a little, little calmer. Brian, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to get you uh, meditating a yeah. little bit. Uh, om, <laughs> but it's good stuff. It's good stuff. I remember back in the day when I was in high school, they came out with this whole idea of transcendental meditation (TM), and uh, you had to go through a ceremony and get some flowers and talk to a, like a, a Madarishi guy, and and they had a special meditating mantra and. It's nothing like that anymore. It's it's a lot more universal. It's it's not uh, specifically um, relative to any particular group of people or culture. It's really interesting how it's um, um, come mainstream. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I was reading a book by a fellow David Lynch, who I guess has done a lot of important things in the in the media, and I guess he's a pretty intense fellow. And his book was on uh, meditation, and so even when he's out in you know on the set or when he's in in post post production which is apparently even crazier um, a couple times a day he asks for a quiet room and goes off and, and meditates and and he likens it to um, you know uh, fishing he says you really got to go deep and quiet to catch the big fish to do the good stuff it's a good analogy you got to meditate a little bit and uh, I found that interesting and, and helpful 
So anyway, that's an article uh, in Entrepreneur Magazine, 12 Things Mentally Strong People Do uh, by John Rampon. Pick up a copy of Entrepreneur Magazine, listen to it, read his article. It's good stuff. That's our take on 12 things that mentally strong people do. This is Dave Hagen, and you're listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. If you have a question that you would like Dave to answer on the podcast, go to thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. You can leave an audio message with one click of a button or type your message into the question box. Either way, it's sent right to Dave's phone. Remember, Dave will randomly draw from the submitted questions and pick the winner of a free one-hour personal conversation with Dave to help you achieve your financial goals. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you receive the new episode notifications or share the podcast via the app with your family and friends. This is your announcer, Nick Appel, wishing you every financial success.